Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And that put her in a rage. A big one. She stripped all my clothes off. She dragged me onto the floor by my hair out the door she threw me outside naked oh my god the older neighbor kid like he was like a preteen or teenager saw me and it was very very uncomfortable welcome to how my parents raised me i'm dawn chitty When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
beautiful friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends, welcome back. Hey, thank you all so much for checking out my new blog, Heal. We are on fire this week on the blog and we're talking about gaslighting. Did you know that gaslighting was the Merriam-Webster Dictionary's word of the year for 2022? It's a real buzzword right now, but do you even know its actual meaning? How do you know if you're being gaslit? What can you do about it? Go to howmyparentsraisedme.com and you will find the 15 signs that you are the victim of gaslighting and what you can do about it. If you get something out of the content on this podcast or on the blog, pass it on, share it. Five to 10% of the world's population suffer from mental health issues. And so many people are not accessing the information they need to begin their healing journey. Did you ever come across a new piece of information and think, I have never heard this before. I've never seen this in my life. That's what the healing journey is. And we all need that person that helps us to get on the healing path. So you are going to help somebody if you share this podcast and the blog. Breaking generational patterns, trauma patterns, looking after our mental health. It's all about awareness. So pass it on to somebody you know needs to hear it. The story I'm sharing with you today is really what this podcast is all about. It's the quiet story that so many of us live 24-7, but we never speak about. It's the burden we carry around day in and day out that makes us feel like we're quietly drowning and we have no value or worth. It's the story of a girl who grew up with a mum who was abusive, manipulative and abandoning. It's the story of a girl who, despite all that was done to her from a very young age, still cared about her mum, still loved her, wanted to take care of her and worried whenever she was angry or she didn't approve. Who says, I just wanted to help her until the moment she'd had enough. After a lifetime of abuse, backing herself, stepping away and saying, no more. 
I am absolutely done. Having the courage to walk away and doing exactly that and the absolute strength of that. Maybe this is your story too. Please join me now for Natasha's story. Natasha, welcome to the podcast. You reached out to me because you wanted to share your story. Why is it so important to you to share your story? I think it's important that people hear about it because, first of all, it's it's an intense story. And I don't know if there's other people out there going through something like this and feeling stuck because that's how I felt like I was stuck and I couldn't get out of couldn't get out of it and eventually I did so I think you know it's just to bring hope to other people that hey you can get out of a situation you know yeah and it's not it's not hopeless I guess because I think sometimes when we are in a really hard situation it's just so great to connect with a story where somebody has some information about what they've been through. Let's just go back to your very earliest memories of growing up in your family. Were there any very early memories that you remember, any good memories, or did it feel like a safe place to be? Good memories, I remember like maybe one or two, honestly. And that was my mom teaching me how to read, which she was half illiterate. And I just like kind of caught on. I don't know how, but I was reading the newspaper before I entered kindergarten. Wow. Fluently. <laughs> like something just clicked. I, I think I had like the opposite of dyslexia or something. Wow. So that was good because she really sat down with me and, and was very patient. And all she did was point at the words and I just kind of learned to read. And I, I saw her like get it, like, she's like, she knows how to read. Like, I didn't really have to do much. And, you know, I just, I guess I just made those connections. And then another memory, this is like with my birth mom and my birth dad, because I spent a lot of time away from them living in Malta. But another memory with them was... We went to Central Park Zoo and there was like kind of like men playing the trumpet and all of that. And I was dancing and they were taking pictures of me. I was just very little, like maybe yeah. six or five, something like that. Yeah. That was just a happy memory. So you were saying there that you didn't spend all of your time with your parents. Right. So what was that situation like? So early on, when my mom had me, they said it was postpartum. I don't know if it was something else, but she couldn't handle, she wasn't getting up out of bed to take care of me. And my grandfather and my uncle came from Walter to help my mom out. And when they saw, I guess, the state she was in, they kind of took me with them back to Malta while my mom and dad were still in the United States. Wow. So they looked after you when you were quite small. Yes. But then there was like a back and forth thing. I think my dad didn't know that they were going to do that. They kind of told him last, like he kind of came home from work and he's like, he told me this on his deathbed. He's like, I was looking for you. Like, I was like, where's the baby? 
and he started crying like I wasn't there anymore oh um, my gosh yeah so was, wow. that's what he told so there was a lot of back and forth so I don't remember that time because I was an infant but then I see pictures of my mom in Malta with me and my grandmother and I was like a toddler so I at toddler's age I was back with my mom in the United States and then you know I lived with her until I was about I would say six or seven and then back to Malta again and she left me there with my grandparents my maternal grandparents so and then I was in Malta until I was 11 12 and then back to the states with my parents again I know it was like a lot of back and forth yeah so did you feel like did you miss your mom when you were away from her you would have it would have been hard to have had a connection really with her it would have been hard to have a connection but I don't know if I had some kind of I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome or or what or it's just that it's an innate sense that that's my mom and I still care about her no matter how messed up my mm. mom is I still want her I was crying like I remember myself crying I'm like I miss my mom like I want her to be here mm. you know I was in you know elementary school and I see all these you know kids have their moms and I I didn't have mine and you know, I was with my, my grand, my grandmother was wonderful with me. I mean, she wasn't warm and fuzzy, but she was very protective, very safe. I was never scared around her. And it was finally, she let me play outside and it was, it was a great childhood, really. I just Mm. really missed her. So when you did spend time with your mom, what was, what was that time like as a little girl? Like when I was here, like when I was little, very unpredictable mm-hmm. if someone was around I was safe like and I I had an uncle that was very quiet and he would stay with us sometimes and I loved him because we would just sit there and watch Nova together but when he wasn't around my mom was not safe with me at all like a lot of violence happened with me not so much with my I have a younger sister it didn't really happen with her at all but it, it it was directed towards me. Yeah. And so it's interesting, isn't it? You say that there was this violence towards you and then you were over in Malta and, and yet you really missed your mum. Yes. It's, it's interesting how our brains work, isn't it, and the conditioning. I was trying to figure that out. Like, do I like being abused? What's going on? You know, like, but... You know, I guess like every child needs a mom yeah. in their life, you know, so. And when we're, when we're little kids, we, you know, we only know that person as a mom. We yeah. think that that's kind of normal in some way, right? Like it's not till we get older and we look back and go, what was going on? I mean, it is the only thing we know about having yeah. a mom, I guess. I just, I knew she wasn't normal at an early age, but I still made excuses. I don't know if it's made excuses for her or just still loved her, no matter how faulty she was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so your dad, what was what was he like in that situation, in that family? He was very passive, like kind of my mom ruled the roost. 
so he was very passive I think he knew my mom had like mental illness you know she would get like depressed a lot not get out of bed and that's one of the reasons they left me with my grandparents in Malta because you know she couldn't care for me the way I needed to be cared for but yeah he kind of was very passive except one time when she was kind of being violent with me and he kind of had to come out of his room and see what was going on and he stopped her so that's the only time but wow yeah that's interesting isn't it that you've got this father right there a lot of the time and he does nothing but when he was passing you know he had cancer and I was visiting him one day in a hospital and he asked me about a situation that happened in Malta where my mom was incredibly violent in a room full of people. She, she threw, like, I don't, I dirtied my shirt somehow. And I went over there. This was my dad's aunt. So my, yeah, my grandmother sent me over there with the lotto numbers for some reason. And I had a pen overflow my shirt. And I kind of was like, so afraid because my mom used to get nuts with messes like messes just like they triggered her in some kind of way so I went there and she's I was like this like my turtle I'm wearing a turtle like I'm covering trying to cover my shirt with my hands and she's like what are you doing what's under your shirt and I'm like I went like that I was like trying to show her like really quick as she went off on a tangent picked up a knife threw it across the room. If I didn't duck under the table, she would have hit me. Wow. Now, all of my dad's family was there. And uh, I didn't know this, but he brought this up at his, at his deathbed. He said, did such and such happen? Did she throw a knife at you that day? And he was in such a fragile state that I kind of didn't really want to tell him the truth. So I was like, mm, how do I, how do I deal with this now? And I'm like, you know what, daddy, it did happen, but it passed. I'm okay. It passed. It's in the past. It's not happening now. It happened. And he started crying because mm. his aunt had called him and said, come and get your daughter because she's going to kill her. Oh, wow. That's where I heard it happened. And I had, you know, I had no, no idea that that had happened. Like, I didn't know she had called him. And, you know, there was somebody trying to help, you know. Yeah. And I remember my grand. they called my grandmother to come and get me. And my grandmother was kind of like, I, I saw she was getting really upset with my mom, like saying, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? You know, and she goes, she does that on purpose to piss me off. And I'm like, I do, I really didn't overflow my pen on purpose. I, I really didn't want a knife thrown at me. I mean, think I would do that? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So that was like one incident there. And so you mentioned that your mom had mental health issues. What, yeah. what exactly was going on for her? I don't think a lot of people knew back then, but she would lay in bed crying. Like even when she came to visit, with my younger sister, like she came, you know, over the course of the summer months, she was just in bed crying. We didn't know what was going on. I had a doctor, we had a doctor come in, we had, now this was her own house in Walter, so my grandmother was out of the picture. She wouldn't come to visit when my mom was like that. She didn't understand, I guess, depression. She thought right. my mom was 
doing it on purpose. You know, she's kind of like that old school mentality. Mm-hmm. But a doctor came, a psychiatrist came. And I remember like a scene, me and my sister were only little girls. And they came, they were speaking to my mom. And my mom was, she was going off on a tangent. Like she was crying saying, I want to take a shower. I don't want to comb my hair. And like, just like really like crying. And us girls, we were just still standing in the room and nobody kind of made us, you know, kind of go away. So I grabbed my little sister by the hand and I said, and I was only like very young. I don't know how, you know, I was still a young girl myself. And I said, let's go into the bedroom. You know, and I I look back on it and I'm like, you know what? Those were professionals. Like they were adults in the room. Why did I have to take her by hand and go to the next room so we don't have to see my mom like that? Yeah. Like I had to grow up fast. And and when she was there visiting and she got sick, I was the one that was taking care of her. Like I was the one forcing her to eat, making her grilled cheeses, making her tea, going shopping in the village and you know, she would give me such a huge shopping list that I was like pushing the carriage and almost the food was almost falling off of it. But, you know, I had village people going, where's your mom? Where's your mom? And I'm like, well, she's not feeling well, you know, kind of making me feel like, I guess I shouldn't be doing this, but I am. Yeah. At what age was, was that? At what age was she giving you those responsibilities? I'm trying to think, but I know I was in elementary school and I was about 10 or 11. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what's the age difference to your sister? We're six, seven years apart. Yeah. Yeah. And so was your mom actively getting any kind of help for the this mental health They issue? were giving her some kind of pills. And I don't think they targeted her because she was saying, you know, they didn't make her feel good. They said, she's like, I don't want to take these anymore. I don't want to take these anymore. I don't feel good. And now as of recent, after my, my dad passed away, she started getting bouts of depression. And then I realized myself what it was because she was down for two weeks, really not taking care of herself at all. And then really up for the next two weeks so I'm like she's bipolar so I finally you know I got her in with some help and some medication and she started you know it was early she was starting to feel better this was over the summer but now we're not speaking anymore you know I stopped speaking to her this past September yeah and that's I guess that's history isn't it with mental health you know we're becoming so much more aware of everything now but not that long ago, people just weren't really getting the proper help for that. And as a child growing up in that environment, what did you feel every day? Were you just feeling terrified? It sounds as if you wouldn't have known what was going to happen. I I think I was terrified and I was numbing myself out at the same time. Like I remember I went to like pre-K, she sent me to pre-K and I was painting on the board and we were wearing our like little old, like some, like an old t-shirt or something. And I remember some kid grabbed my hand, my wrist and said, that's my paintbrush. And then 
all the paint went all over my uniform, my 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 shirt. And I'm like, oh my goodness, she's going to kill me. She's gonna think I did this on purpose. Cause that's where it is. And I started crying so intensely. And I told, and the teacher's like, are you okay? And I'm like, my mom's gonna kill me. My mom's gonna, I literally said those words, my mom's gonna kill me. And now looking back at it, I'm like, wasn't that like a red flag? You know, because my my teacher then at dismissal, my mom came to pick me up and she said, I just want to let you know that she dirtied her shirt, but it's not her fault. Another little boy, you know, was playing around with her. And my mom looked like she calmed down so much. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And like now I'm looking at it and I'm like, she really thought I was doing things on purpose. Mm. She really thought that. And I'm like, I'm a little girl. Like I'm not going to. I don't know what she was thinking. Yes, and I think that's that's what a lot of kids go through as well, that the parent blames the child for everything that they do wrong, well, that they do wrong in inverted quotes because kids are just kids. You can't send a child to go and do painting and expect them to stay 100% clean. It's just crazy. Kids have to learn, they have to grow, and I think especially when years gone by, it's really been something that parents haven't understood. And so, yeah, just that terror of feeling like you're going to get in so much trouble all the time. And was there ever a time when you would like push back or react to her abuse? I mean, I remember when I reacted to her abuse and boy, did I regret it. <laughs> because it's like, I, I know it was a time when she came to visit in Malta and I was eating, you know, my mom, my, see, that's, that's always what I do. I call my grandmother, my mom <laughs> without even realizing, but yeah, like my grandmother cooked for me and I was eating on the table and she was just nitpicking at me. My grandfather was around, but she was nitpicking at me. Like there was no tomorrow. She's like, roll up your sleeves and sit against the table and you're making a mess. So I was like, really like scared to eat. And she just kept going and going and going. And I felt the anger just rising. And I'm like, you know, I had already spent a bunch of years with my grandparents and they never made me feel like this. And then here she comes like with this attitude that I'm doing something wrong by just eating. So I got so upset. I flipped the table over with the, with the plates and everything. And that put her in a rage, a big one. She stripped all my clothes off. She dragged me onto the floor by my hair out the door. She threw me outside naked. Oh my God. The older neighbor kid, like he was like a preteen or teenager saw me and I was very, very uncomfortable. But, you know, there was my grandfather saying, you're the one that riles up the kids and, you know, all that. So that's when I pushed back and <laughs> it was it was a trauma that came back to me. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So was she doing this sort of stuff in front of other people quite regularly? Yes. She was. Some, sometimes she, I was alone. When I was alone, it was more intense and it was more disturbing. Like it was almost like, I, I don't know if it was psychopathic or, or sadistic or, or what but you know stuff happened where it was more intense and then 
in public, she would just snap. Like, I think it was just like a snap, like the knife. I feel like she just like she it went into like a full blown rage and she didn't even think about what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something that happened at school. Yes, I was in Catholic elementary school. I had just gotten in from Malta that year and it was a culture shock complete culture shock I couldn't follow any of the courses I felt like I almost had ADHD or something and I'm like I can't follow anything like I don't know what's going on I don't know if it was my nerves or my anxiety but we had a test coming up and I didn't want to take this test (laughs) so I was in charge of taking my sister to school so I took her to school and instead of going myself into the building I went to the library which was like two three blocks down I was like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to skip the test. I'll stay in the library. And then at dismissal, I'll go by school. So I went by the school at dismissal. And I was like, how come you came out from that side? And I'm like, oh, they let us out early. And then my little sister comes out and tells my mom, oh, Natasha wasn't in school today. Natasha wasn't in school today. (laughs) And then there, my teacher, my homeroom teacher came out with all the kids. And then she's like, well, there's your teacher. Let's ask her. So she asked her, was Natasha in school today? And, you know, teacher kind of shook her head no. And my mom, again, when she's at full-blown rage, started, I kind of blocked half of it, but it was bad. It was intense. Like there was a crowd that gathered (laughs) to watch what happened in silence. She was smacking me across the face. She dragged me by the hair home. And now I'm thinking, not one person reported her. And when I went to Catholic school again, like, like that time in kindergarten, when you have a little kid saying, hey, my mom's going to kill me. My mom's going to kill me. Why wasn't that reported? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it that's, that's crazy though, isn't it? That this happens in front of your teacher, in front of all of these people, and nobody does anything. Nobody says anything. I get involved. Maybe yeah. they sense how like insane she was maybe they don't want to get involved in that so I kind of in a way it's it's sad I wish somebody would have done any done something but in a way I kind of understand why they didn't Mm. yeah but I think I mean I hope now that we understand better that you know we actually do need to step in and help a child in this situation especially a teacher I mean it's really part of what they're meant to be doing for, for a child. You know, you shouldn't just be ignoring anything as obvious as that. I mean, a lot of kids are going through stuff that nobody ever sees, but, I mean, this is this was blatant right out in front of everybody. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What what I mean, how were you coping inside your own head at this time? Like sad I'm surprised I never self-harmed or anything or have some kind of eating disorder like I was I was thinking I'm like how how come I didn't have that like you know I think a lot of people would kind of go down that route but I do have PTSD and it still haunts me till this day like and I still cry about it I feel embarrassed Mm. yeah so but you know when you say I feel embarrassed there's no shame for you to feel. This is not this is not your shame. This is something done to you by somebody that should feel the shame, not you. You should never feel shame for what happened to you. You seem like, my gosh, you know, you're this kid who's going to the supermarket, you're buying all the stuff, you're doing everything right, and you're living your life terrified. And there's no shame for you, Natasha. You know, yeah. always, always remember that. And I just wonder having your grandparents, because you weren't there with your mum nonstop for your whole childhood, maybe you say I didn't get an eating disorder or I didn't get whatever. I just wonder because I, I feel like you had time with people that did care about you that I kind of would have broken it up a little bit because I, I should imagine that you would have been in such a different space had you been with your mother your entire childhood. Totally agree with you over there. Yeah. I think yeah. my grandfather was my savior at that point. You know, yeah. I mean, if my mom ever did anything right. It was leaving me there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so you said earlier that your mom, you know, this rage was all directed at you and not so much to your sister how's that played out over the years I mean it, that must be really tough yeah they were she, she treated us like extremely different right like that's like your typical narcissist but extremely different I'm not saying my sister wasn't abused because she was she was abused like verbally mm-hmm. and she had a weight issue my mom would go there and that's another time I had pushed back. We were doing homework one day and, and my sister didn't, wasn't finished with it all. And she said, you're not done yet. You you don't do your homework on time. And you know why? Because you're a fat soul. Oh and she repeated it two other times. And I, I was 12 and I couldn't take it anymore. And my mom's like, she was a tiny woman, like she's 4'11". And I just like, stop it, stop it. Cause I saw my sister's face just like drop and just go internally cry. Like she turned bright red and I couldn't hear her sounds like crying, but I know she was crying. And I just like, something came over me where I just couldn't take it anymore. I picked her up. I said, you gotta stop it. And I, I kind of like shoved her towards the, the wall and she got scared. She took a step back, but then she called my dad and told him that I put my hands on her and 
she didn't bother telling him, of course, what she did to my sister. She just made me look like the bad guy. So, and she was trying to get him to like kind of get me in trouble when he came home from work. Like, you know, there was a beating with a belt and my dad didn't even want to do it. He's like, you know what? Do, how disturbing does it sound? He's like, you know, when I hit you with the belt, just cry. I'm not going to hit you hard. I'm just going to pretend. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's how this was so like, I, I can't explain it. It's just disturbing. Like he's afraid to stand up to her, but he's telling me, pretend I hit you and yell. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's so messed up, you know, and that you've got this person who's so manipulative and they're just manipulating everybody and it's just terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and then throughout the years, you know, my sister was the favourite. They put her in a role. They put her in a role of she's taking care of their paperwork, she's taking care of their bills. I think my mom was upset that I got married and kind of, I didn't move away very far. I'm 20 minutes away from her. But because of that, she's saying she's the one that was closest here. So she kind of left all her assets, all, you know, everything in the will to my sister, mostly. It was very different of what was being left. And that was kind of like you say, that was it for me. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm like, I am completely done with you. Because when she was sick this last summer, she was refusing help. She wasn't taking care of herself. Unless I physically go in and say, I got to pick you up now. You have to come to my house. You're not showering. You're not eating. And you're calling me saying, we abandoned you. We did not abandon you. Okay, so I had to bring her into my house, you know, kind of help take care of her, get her therapy. Eventually, she was very opposed to that as well because of what happened to her in the past with medication. So after all of that, she was still kind of leaving her whole, she has a building here, like she's kind of leaving the whole property to my sister. And to me, I think she said, oh, I have a house in Malta for you. It's like a one family house. So you can't even say, you know, that's equal. It it wasn't equal at all. And it wasn't even written in the will yet. She's like, oh, I'm leaving you, I don't know, $300,000. Meanwhile, this building is like one or two million. Plus my sister has power of attorney. Plus she has all my mom's money. Plus she's moving away now. She moved to another state. And I was going to be her sole caretaker here. Yeah. And my mom's a lot of work because every two minutes when she was here, she was calling my name yeah. to do something for her. So I was like, okay, you know, I don't have a problem doing anything for you. I don't have a problem even if you didn't have any assets or, or anything to give me. I would have still took care of you. But the fact that it's so unequal and she almost was like, when she told me about it, she almost, it almost felt like she was happy about what she was telling me. She's like, at first they said, me and my sister were going to get everything was going to be equal. And then afterwards she says, oh, well, your father didn't want to, that's what your father wanted. And I was like, in my head, I said, but he passed away. He's not here. So I don't know if it's true. And my, one of my uncles said the same thing. He's like, your, your father's 
you know, he's dead. He's, he's not here. You don't know if she's lying about it. So. Yeah. yeah so that was the moment. Cause he, cause I mean, all that's happened, all of this abuse, manipulation, and you've still been there to look after her. You've because still. Because I wanted to see it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I just, I'm just interested that, you know, you, you really continued to do that for her. You, you, you never really, I mean, a lot of people would have walked away a long time ago. Yeah, I battle with that. Mm. That's my embarrassment too. Like I battle with that and I'm like, did I do the wrong thing? Like should I have left a long time ago? Cause there was a lot of trauma. You know, at one point, I mean, she was, she pricked me with needles at one point and tried to, this was very early on. Like, I mean, she tried to, this was, this is intense. Like she tried to drown me at one point in the bathtub. When you were little? I was like a toddler and it triggered her because I, I wasn't eating a lot. And I, I think I just was a kid with no appetite. And I also was a very sensitive kid that I always saw her so angry. And, you know, when you're angry, you lose your appetite. I mean, when when you're tense, I mean. Oh, yeah, you, absolutely. I see some anger around me. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to eat now. <laughs> so, you know, and I was in the tub and she saw how skinny I was and it sent her off in the tangent. Like, she was just like, you're not eating. You're driving me crazy. You're not eating. You're driving me crazy. And she dunked me in three times. And I got to tell you, no one was home. Her eyes were dead. And you'll remember that because that's like, even though it was so long, long ago, it's like, it's like picture clear in my head. And I battled that vision a lot. You know, that's, that's part of my PTSD. Like that's my first trauma. And yeah. And even though she did all of that, I tried to say, she's a sick person. It's not her fault. I want to try to help her. I want to try to make her better. We are bigger than our trauma, you know, like, so I tried, but I just couldn't take the disrespect anymore. And I had to choose myself at one point. So oh, yeah. So I did. Absolutely. Absolutely even with me helping her you know yeah and you lost your dad to cancer yes what 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 happened with your mom around that time she was deteriorating badly like she had the strength to take care of him she was not leaving the hospital she was putting a lot of pressure on me to go there every single day meanwhile I had a you know, I have a teenage daughter that kind of needed me at that time. And I was leaving her home alone. And I was feeling like a bad mom. But she put that pressure on me to go every single day. Because if I didn't go, there was going to be like hell to pay. And I remember she slandered me at one point during his treatment. Like it was early on where we found out he had cancer. He was like three months in. He was under care in the hospital. You know, my mom and sister were you know, trying to help with everything. And my husband had a trip planned for his birthday to Vegas. And I started hesitating to go. And I said, you know, 
I think I'm gonna hear about this or I think something's gonna happen or they're gonna get really enraged that I I came with you and it was just like a family trip you know it was just me my husband and my daughter and we were only gone for a few days so I ended up going because he couldn't get the money back and I was like, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. They'll be okay. And I was like, I don't think you know my family. <laughs> but okay. So I came back. She barely spoke to me. And then I was speaking to one of my aunts in Malta. And she's like, did you go on holiday? That's what they say. Like, they don't say vacation. <laughs> you don't say holiday. I was like, yeah, I did. Did my mom say something and make a big deal? And she's like, she made a huge deal. She called my dad's family to make me look like the bad guy. Like I just left him with cancer, dying. I was only gone for a few days. So that was like, I was like, oh, wow. So I brought it up to her and I said, did you call and do this? And she says, yes, because I feel like you shouldn't have went. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me instead of telling somebody else? She didn't really have an answer for that. <laughs> wow. It's it's just so much manipulation, isn't it? Behind the scenes, constantly talking to everybody, constantly running you down. You know, it's oh, it's just so hard. It's so it was, hard. It was like like I had so much pressure on me to just do the right thing and help her. Like she was my child. Yeah. And I was like, I, I really, truly, even though this all happened, like, I really, truly enjoyed giving her the TLC that she needed. Like, I, I'm a giver, like, you know, I was like, cooking for her, doing her laundry, buying her things she needed, you know, just trying to like, make her feel better. And I think she did feel better that that we were around. But then she started with the triangulation with me and my sister putting her up on a pedestal you know and I just like I'm like I can't take this anymore she's acting like I'm less of a person than my you know my sister is better and and I'm like how could that be when she's the one cursing you out and you're coming here crying and you're giving her all your money Mm. I was like I I needed that to end I don't know what Something came over me to give me the strength to say, make a phone call and say, this is going to end. I left her a voicemail. Wow. And I said, I'm going to stop talking to you. You went and got power of attorney without me knowing. I was asking my sister, who's who has power of attorney? My sister was saying, I don't know. So obviously it was a lie. And, you know, you're doing things behind my back and we're going to stop talking now. And she called back. I blocked her number, so I didn't realize she was calling. And then at one point, she called my husband to start a problem. Mm. She was telling him, insidiously trying to tell him that I was cheating on him. Meanwhile, this is not what was happening. But if he was a different person, like he, he didn't fall for her stuff. But if he was a different person, you know, she couldn't like easily ruin someone's marriage. Wow. So it, it wasn't like she was calling. And I saw my husband get sad because it, it's not like, I think then it sank in for him because it wasn't like she was calling, oh, I miss you guys. You know, let's not fight. No, it's let me say these things because I'm not getting what I need. 
<laughs> so. Yeah. Wow. So I wonder what it was that after all that time made you leave that voicemail. Like I wonder you just got pushed to the very edge or is that? The favoritism was what did it. The favoritism did it. I was like, I am not less of a person. She put me in a role where I was money hungry. She was calling my husband saying, I left her $300,000. And I'm like, yeah, well, she left my sister like two millions and her bank, whole bank account, but she's not telling everybody that. She's selling her version. So she always wanted to put me in a role where I was money hungry. Like I remember, like I almost felt like so weird. Like we were going all together to give my dad you know, his chemo treatment. And we were waiting in the waiting area and there was a quarter on a chair. And she's like, my mom goes, look, Natasha, there's a quarter. I don't know if you want it. And and her and my sister were giggling together. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they want to put me in the role where I'm money hungry. So I didn't pick up the quarter. I'm like, all right. Like, I just kind of let it go off my back, but I remember it. And so I'm like, okay. So she put me in that role where, oh, poor Natasha's after money. And I'm like, and man, I'm like, take your $300,000 and shove it. I don't need your, I don't need that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's just so manipulative, isn't it? It's just so hard. How has your life been in the last few months since going first, no contact? Yeah. Well, at first it was great. I was going out with my friends more doing a lot of stuff I needed to do it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder and I was doing really well and then it hit like a depression hit I got resentful I went through a period of that I went through a period of that's all I could focus on I had to be in therapy and uh, until finally like you know they're kind of in the back of my mind now like I don't really focus on kind of what they did but the PTSD is still there so that'll ever go away but when were you diagnosed with PTSD like a few years ago Mm. because I wasn't always in therapy you know so yeah and what have you done for your PTSD is there anything that's really helped you it kind of comes in doses so I just don't I don't want I don't stay in it like when I get the memories or something because something when I get the memories I'll I'll just start crying like that's that's my reaction either start crying or or I just want to move away from the situation so I kind of just try to keep going with it like and then I tell myself this was in the past like it's not happening right now this is not what's happening right now you know like it's just a totally different situation I kind of like try to talk to myself actually in my head talk myself out of it because I mean that's another thing I don't know that happened over the summer right before I stopped talking to her my mom calls and I don't know if you heard about this lady in Coney Island that drowned three of her children in the bathtub, but she called to tell me that. And I hung up on her. (laughs) She's like really surprised that this lady did it. And she's like, oh, did you hear about this lady who drowned her kids in the bathtub? And I'm like, my, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Bye. And I'm like, I hung up. And I'm like, she goes back. What's the matter with you? And I'm like, do you not know that you did that to me? Because you did. 
And then you're calling me to tell me that. And she goes, oh, well, I just wanted to let you know what was going on in the world. And till this day, I don't know. It's like, is she really that oblivious? Or was that all planned to mess with me? Which mm. one is it? We don't know. <laughs> uh, it's so full on. It's like, oh, my God, I don't know how anybody remains sane in this situation like seriously I think I mean I look at you and you you seem like such a gorgeous human and I just you know obviously you've got things you're dealing with but realistically I just don't know how people even survive this stuff because it's so freaking hard yeah it is it is but I mean you kind of force like it's like if I had to deal with that and I survived I can do a lot I'll be okay yeah you know yeah and you've got a teen daughter now how do you think all this has affected her because she's in the same house she's having to she's deal with it all and said to me before she has like and I feel like she's she sees things for what they are more than my husband does because she's the one that said oh you should stop talking to them they don't treat you well why are you doing this and me back then I was like okay yeah they don't I said because they're my family and we do things for family and you always grow up with you take care of your elders and you know all that but if there's abuse in it and there's a whole other side to it that hey nobody saw you have that right in you to stop contact so but yeah she's she's seen that she's had things to say about it yeah she knows what's going on now yeah it's interesting isn't it how sometimes our kids can come up and sort of state the obvious that we're just not able to see ourselves really I mean maybe you were seeing it on some level but it's just actually doing it actually making that break I was going to ask you what do you want for your daughter because I guess the relationship that you've had with your mum what what do you want for her and for you as a mum and a daughter in the future I just want her to be happy with herself you know I want her to be happy with herself I want her to know she's strong and she can achieve things and I want her to know that she can come to me with anything, even though I, sometimes I have anxiety and, you know, about stuff. Like I'm, you know, that mom anxiety, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I just want yeah. us to have a good relationship, like totally opposite from what I grew up with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've now cut contact with your mom do you feel like the future is is bright for you now? Like, can you see that it's going to be good for you in the future? I think so. Yeah, because I don't have, I wasn't living when I was in contact with her as a reason. I didn't realize how much she affected me. I was sitting here in tears a lot because she was saying that me and my sister abandoned her. Meanwhile, she's the one we're sending her food over. She doesn't want to open the door and crying to everyone else saying, my kids abandoned me. And I think this is all part of her, 
you know, part of her being like that um, manipulative mentality. Mm, yeah, like yeah. Really now and you know, my my kids left me, and she wants that attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it must just be like a weight's lifted to some degree because you've just gone, just not going to yeah. do it anymore. And that there's so much power in that, you know, yeah. to to finally get to that point to just say, actually, I don't have to do this anymore. When yeah. I saw how unequal it was, that's what did it. And it's like now it's really clear. So yeah, we're done here. Oh, Natasha, it's been such an honor to hear your story. It's such a hard story to hear. And, you know, what I want to point out to people is that nobody, you know, people get a lot of um, crap when they go no contact with a parent, right? You know, it's like, oh, it's your mother, you know, it's your father, you should be in contact with them. Actually, nobody, I don't believe there's anybody that goes no contact with a parent for for no good reason. I mean, everybody wants a. We all want our parents around us. You know, we all want those people in our lives. That's what we want. And going no contact is the last resort. And it's very clear that it was it was the very last resort. You have you have done everything for for that woman. And I just want to just really acknowledge that. And you're a beautiful human. Never feel shame for anything that's happened to you. It's not your shame. It's not your shame to keep. You deserve to be happy and I hope that moving forward you you just experience so much more joy in this next part of your life. You really deserve it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. Thank you. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique, your journey is unique, and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious, and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.